1: Say it's an honor to be with you today. Is an understatement. Um, It really is just an incredible opportunity. And um, I I was thinking about what what should I share. It's always one of those issues, you know. You get an incredible opportunity. What do you what do you want to share? And I thought about if you and I could just go out and uh, have a cup of coffee, or just sit down, or invite you over to the house. What would I want you to know? what I want you to really begin to think through and how could I help you and encourage you as best as I possibly could um, in our time together. And My greatest advice for you during this season is don't don't just focus on what you need to do focus on really who God wants you to become. When I came into seminary I I was just okay tell me what I need to know, need to know, need to know and I can get out and do it. Come on just what do I need to know, what do I need to know? And I remember it was in this building sitting below in Dr. Hammett's class in systematic Theology that I encountered the glory and the wonder of a God who was bigger than I could ever imagine, and it shaped me, it changed me, it transformed me. And I never was the same from that moment. And so my prayer for you is that, it, is it, yeah, you need to learn a lot of what to do, but who does God want you to become? Who is this God that we serve and that we follow and that we go hard after and we spend our lives pursuing and praying that others will pursue him and take steps of faith to follow Christ. And so with that in mind, I I wanted to talk about probably the biggest struggle that I've dealt with in ministry that no one really taught me how to deal with. And that's dealing with it. Every church, every ministry, every staff, every relationship, every opportunity you get into will have an it. And it is that tension, that, 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 that struggle that happens when two people come together in any type of relationship that it will always be there. The it is always there because it happens over and over and over and over again. And the question that you're going to have to really begin to concentrate on and learn through is how do you deal with it? Just turn to somebody and say, hey, how do you deal with it? Come on. How many of you, how many of you, when it happens, you attack it? I mean, you're you're just a fighter at heart. Come on, any fighters? Raise your hand. It's all right. Don't be ashamed. I mean, this is honesty. We're in a place of honesty, vulnerability. How many of you are avoiders? Like, you avoid it all the time. If you did not raise your hand, you're a super avoider or a super attacker. You're plotting against me because I made you raise your hand in chapel. But we we deal with it and we struggle with it. And because we don't know how to deal with it, what ends up happening is we tend up losing it. That you can have the greatest theology, but if you don't understand how to deal with relational complexities and what happens when you're in a meeting and you've been working really, really hard to think of this idea and this idea comes up and they look at you and go, that will never work. And if you don't know how to deal with it in that situation, what will end up happening is you will lose it and you'll end up losing the main thing that God wants you to begin to do there. Or you'll just say, fine, I'm done. I'll just go to a different church, different ministry, different people, different relationships, because I'm done. But you can't avoid it and you can't attack it. You have to learn how to deal with it. And I wanna take us to a scene that happened in the life of David and it's found in 1 Samuel 25. And I want us to see what this looks like. How do you really begin to deal with it? And the complexities are there, the struggles that are there, the, the issues that are there so many times in our lives. For Samuel 25, we'll be looking at verse 2. And it says, a certain man a who had property there at Carmel was very, very wealthy. And he had 1,000 goats and 3,000 sheep, which means he had a 6,000-square-foot home, four-car garage, Lived in the nice part of Wake Forest, and it was sheep shearing time in Carmel. His name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail, and she was intelligent and she was a beautiful woman, like every southeastern woman is. But her husband, he was surly and he was mean in his dealing. He was a Calebite. He was a patriot, as Dr. Aiken would say. Right. Verse four. So while David was in the wilderness, and the reason David is in the wilderness is he's running from King Saul who's trying to kill him. David did what's was right and he's being persecuted. So he's hanging out with his merry bunch of outlaws, the original outlaws. He's out in the wilderness. And he heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep. This is going to be a wealthy time for Nabal, so it's a party time. So he sent ten of his young men and said to him, go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name and say to him, long life to you, and good health to you and your household, and good health to all those, all that is yours. Now I hear it's sheep shearing time, and when your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them, and the whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. Ask your own servants, and they will tell you. Therefore, be favorable to my men, since we've come at a festive time, we need some help, would you help us? please give your servant and your son David whatever you can find for them. David is struggling. And so he, he goes to a guy that he's been serving, goes to a guy that he's been helping out, and says, I need a little help. I've been good to you, will you be good to me? I've served you, will you serve me? I've been gentle to you, will you be gentle to me? And in our minds, that's logical, right? If we we go and our ambition is we're gonna go, we're gonna serve people and they're naturally gonna receive our serving. We're naturally wanna lead people to good things and are naturally gonna follow our leading and everything is gonna work out just great. High ambition, high optimism. What could go wrong? Verse 9, when David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name, and they waited. Nabal answered David's servant, Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many, many, many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. This rebel renegade. Who in the world does he think he is? Why should I take my bread and my water that I've worked hard on and the meat I've slaughtered from my shears and give it to the men coming from who knows where? Who does this David think he is? He thinks he's somebody. He's a nobody. So David's men turned around and they went back. And when they arrived, they reported every single word to David. And David said to his men, and this is when the music kind of changes, right? This is when it was a HDTV or Hallmark Channel, everything's going incredible, and it changes to dramatic music. So they share the words with David, and look what he says, Verse 13. So they didn't give us food, here's our solution. Each of you, strap on your sword. Whoa whoa whoa, 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 David, David, David. So they didn't give you something to eat and your solution is to pick up the sword? David, come, come on, come on. Your, your solution for being mistreated is genocide? Don't you think that's a little out of the way? I mean, come on. David, are you a little hangry? If anybody needs a Snickers bar right now, it's my man David, right? I mean, David, you, this is insane. They didn't give you bread and your solution is, let's get the sword, let's fight a war, let's go down and kill them all. David, David, David. When, when did you put on the Conor McGregor style swag? I mean, what are you thinking? Aren't you going a little further than this should be? I mean, aren't you taking this a little bit to the extreme? David's mad. He's done with it. And here's where you have to see something. Your desire to get even will never be even. And in the moment, it will feel right. In the moment, if you were to stop David and say, David, 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 whoa, hold on, hold on, bro. I mean, come on, they didn't give you food and you're about to kill everyone in the village. Don't you think that's a little overreacting? And David would be able to tell you the story and say, no, in my mind, it's justifiable. What in your mind is justifiable? That because you're trying to get even, it's never really even. You always want to take it to the next level. They said a word, where you're going to say a word back. They did something, where you're going to do something back. They did a certain action, where you're going to escalate it. It always escalates, 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 escalates. And in your mind, you will always believe you're right, and it is no problem. Getting even is never even. But then Abigail hears of it, and she gathers some some of the stuff that David asked for her to take care of, and she goes out to meet David. Skip down to verse 21 for the sake of time. And so the scenery is, is here's sweet Abigail going up this mountain. You can picture the ravine down here and the sheep shearing going on. You know, they're, they're pumping a little music down there and all the, they're smoking some barbecue, I guess, in my mind. I mean, it's a, it's a big party going on. And so they're they're having a great time, and David sees this, and in his mind he's thinking, how dare they? Here they're having a feast, and here I am struggling. And so he's going down, snaking down this mountain into the ravine, and here comes Abigail up the mountain to meet David. So verse 21, now David had just said, said to himself, it's been... Useless. This is where you'll struggle. It's been useless. All my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness so that nothing of his was missing. He's paid me back evil for good? I I poured my life into these people and they've rejected me? I'm just trying to help and they've slapped me. I'm trying to lead these people to better places and they're ridiculing me? I'm pouring my heart into them. I'm trying to reach this group so they can see the greatness and the wonder and the glory of Christ and, and they get on Instagram and social media and bash me? I'm done. Why? Why try anymore? Why speak anymore? Why? Why be a part of this anymore? Why love anymore? Why serve anymore? Why give anymore? Why? Why continue to go? on and on and on, nothing will ever work out. Everything will end up bad. Why keep going? I'm done with this. I'm done with this relationship. I'm done with this marriage. I'm done with this church. I'm done with these people. I'm done with these kids. I'm just done. I'm done. It's useless. Why keep going? I can't keep doing this. It is useless. And in his head, he's replaying it over and over again. He's taking that moment in time when he was offended and he's replaying it. And in his mind, he's going, this isn't right. Oh, I can't wait to get back. I can't wait to get back. And when I see Nabal, I'm gonna meet him and I'm gonna say, how dare you? I'll show you who David is. I'm a giant slayer. I'm just gonna punch him in his mouth and everybody's gonna be cheering, David, David. It's gonna be incredible because he deserves it. Isn't that what we love to play in our mind? I'll get her. If she hurt me, I'll hurt her. He hurt me, I'll hurt him. This is useless, I'm done. So many times in your ministry and your calling, you'll feel this way and you'll wanna quit, you'll wanna give up, you'll wanna end it, you you wanna say, okay, I'll prove how right I am. I'll prove that I can lead better than you. I, I prove that I can do better than you. I, I'll prove it. He's mad. He's hurt. He's not dealing with it very well. He's coming down, and as he's coming down, thinking in his mind, I'm going to pay him back. I'm going to pay him back. I'm going to pay him back. Verse 23. So when Abigail saw David, now, now just before we go, I want you to think about this thing. Think about the text. Don't miss the text and the tension here. He's going to kill her and her family. You you got that right. He's coming down to slaughter her children. So she's going up to meet him. Woo, this is going to be good, right? So she quickly got off her donkey and she bowed up before David. Is that what it says? Did she bow up? thinking she probably should though, right? I mean, come on. If anybody had a right to be offended, it was Abigail. She didn't do anything wrong. It was her crazy husband who did it. (laughs) Now David's coming to slaughter her and her family. She has every right to bow up. She has every right to say, who are you, David? Who do you think you are to come in and mess with me and mess with my family? Who do you think you are? She didn't bow up says, listen to this, she bowed down. To the man who was coming to kill her, she bowed down. She bowed down before David, and she put her face to the ground. It says she fell at his feet. Fell at his feet. I mean, everything, everything in our mind, she said, Abigail, bow up, but she doesn't, she doesn't, look, 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 look. And it's in this posture that she begins to confront David. She goes to his feet and she says, pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak, let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. I'm not here to prove I'm right. I'm not here to defend what is, I'm not here to bow up. I'm here to bow down. I'm here to serve you. Well, what other picture? I mean, come on. Is there another picture you can think of in your mind? When having all authority and all power and every right to bow up, he bowed down. And it was in this position that he begin to conquer evil. It was in this position that Abigail began to deal with the injustice that was to be done to her. She didn't bow up, she bowed down. In an act of humility and graciousness, she goes before David and it says, please pay no attention, my Lord, to the wicked man, Abel. He's just like his name. His name means full. Don't name your kids Nabal. That's what the lesson is for today. <laughs> and and Folly goes with him wherever he goes. And as for me, your servant, I did not see the men my Lord sent. And what these, she does next is so wise and so beautiful. You, you know one of the things I've learned? is a side note. When you're with a people for a while you think it's your responsibility to teach them about faith, but what you begin to realize is they teach you so much about faith. Abigail is going to teach David far more about the goodness of God and the greatness of God than David will teach her. So she fell at his feet and she says, I didn't see my Lord, and now, verse 26, and now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives and as you live, since the Lord has kept you. Notice who's kept you, David. The Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands. David, remember what God has done in your past. Remember, David, that God has fought your battles. Remember, David, why you are doing what you're doing. David, remember you are a man of God. Remember, David, you are the man who is supposed to fight the Lord's battle, the Lord is with you, the Lord is guiding you. You're taking matters into your own hands. David. David, remember why you have been called. David, remember who you are. Remember who God wants you to become. David, remember. Don't forget your why, David. Don't forget your why. Don't forget your why. May your enemies and all who are intent on harming my Lord be like Nabal. Verse 27. And let this gift which your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the men who follow you. Please forgive your servant's presumption. Instead of seeking revenge, she seeks forgiveness. She then speaks into the future of what is at stake if David continues. And here's where I want you to begin to see something. She speaks into future potential of what could happen and what God wants to do in David's life, but he is gonna mess it up if he continues down the path he's on. She says, the Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord. Because remember, you fight the Lord's battles. David, you're forgetting who this is really all about. And no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live instead of focusing on the past. Instead of focusing on all the craziness that went on, she begins to get David's mind. She says, David, 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 don't get so consumed on what happened back here that you're missing out on the future of what could happen if you go down this road. David, you don't understand there's far more going on. There's far more at stake than what you think, because in this moment it feels right, and in this moment it seems right, and in this moment he deserves it, and in this moment you're just thinking, oh, I can't wait till I get down there, and I tell him what for. David, in your mind, you're so consumed on what happened, David, you are going to blow it and you're going to miss the opportunity of the dynasty that God wants to create. In this moment, David, you're going to allow your anger to take you. You're going to allow your rage to take you. You're going to allow your passion to take you. That, David, it's going to end up hurting you. And this is why dealing with it is so important. The hurt done to you can hurt what God wants to do through you. this is the tragedy that if you don't know how to deal with this what's going to end up happening is the hurt that is done to you will end up hurting what god wants to do in you and through you and yeah in that moment you can say it yeah in that moment you can get up and you can let that person have it but what's at stake you lose your influence with that person Pastors, I want you to lean in, come on. You will, at times, have every feeling to just tell them off, and you can. But if you do, you will lose the opportunity to speak into them and influence them to the great things God wants to do in their lives. And you gotta make a decision, because it's gonna feel right and it's going to seem right. And listen, if you came up here and you told me your sad story and all that happened on, I'd be like, come on, let's go get this guy. Let's go get him. Let, let, I'm going to tell that committee. I'm going to tell that group. I'm going to tell them. I'm going to, they have no clue. Come on. That's not right. I would be so fired up like you are. But in that moment, we just got to pause. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. That hurt done to me. If I'm not careful can hurt what God wants to do through me and that's when we begin to blow it and that's when we begin to make mistakes and that's when we say things do things that hurt not just in ministry but in families I mean how many times isn't in the moment oh oh I just got to say it I just got to say it and once those words come out of your mouth you oh why did I say it I have, I have three girls, and, um, and there's times when I just, oh, I just get irritated and frustrated, and I just say a word, and as soon as that word comes out of my mouth, man, the reflection on their face. I go, "I wish I could have that word back." But in the moment it felt right. moment it seemed right but that's the problem with hurt is that the hurt of your past can hurt what God wants to do in the midst of your future did you get so consumed on what happened back here that you can't go into the future that God wants to take you in and the good things that God wants to lead you towards so David at the moment is trying to take matters into his own hands I really believe that in our modern time, and not just our modern time throughout all of history, but especially now, I believe the evil one's greatest trap to keep you from God's destiny is holding onto the anger of your past and the hurt done to you that you begin to hurt what God wants to do through you. I know a lot of men and women who have great theology, but they lose it because they don't know how to deal with it. I know many people who are incredibly gifted, but yet they end up losing it all because they don't know how to deal with it. You can have all the gifting, all the theology, you can have all the polish and charisma and all of it, but if you don't know how to deal with hurt and anger and frustration, you will end up blowing it. And so David takes matters into his own hands because he doesn't know what to do. And so how do you really begin to deal with it? What, what, what comes next is powerful. Look, look what she says, verse 29. Even though someone is pursuing you even though someone's out to hurt you, even though what they said was wrong, and even though what they did was not right, and even what they did was absolutely crazy, and even what they did, they're coming after to get you, and they're trying to attack you, and they're going on social media, and they're talking behind your back, and they're coming up with all these things, and you're sitting there going, that's not right, that's not fair, that's not true, and everything just keeps pushing at you, pushing at you, pushing at you, even though they are pursuing you to take your life. Look what she says. The life of my Lord will be bound securely. Oh, in the bundle, in the treasure pouch, in the safekeeping of the living by the Lord your God. She says, David, 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 even though they're pursuing you, your God has bound you up, and he has brought you close to his chest. David, you're forgetting something. They can't get to you unless they go through him. David, you're forgetting this. David, you're forgetting they can't take anything away from you unless he allows them to take it away from you. David, you're forgetting how big and glorious and loving and compassionate your heavenly father is. You're forgetting the magnitude of the compassion of the living God. He has bound you up. He's held you tight. You're not in this alone. You're not doing this by yourself. You don't have to fight your own battles. You have the living God who has secured you, bound you up, who's working on for your good on your behalf, who has secured you tightly. David, you are protected. Protected, even though you're being pursued. You are secure, even though they're trying to come after you. David, your God is fighting for you when it seems that everybody is fighting against you. David, do you believe that? David, you're missing it. You're in God's treasure pouch. And she says, but the lives of your enemies, I love this, she takes them back. when he was a, probably a 15-year-old boy and just got his learner's permit, was growing a little mustache. When he wasn't this magnificent folk hero, giant slayer called David, she brings him back when he was just a shepherd boy who showed up to check on his brothers. But there was a fight. David, because he trusted that the battle didn't belong to him, but he belonged to the Lord, got onto the battlefield and allowed God to fight his battle. She says, she brings back to him, but your enemies, David, he will hurl away as from the pocket of a slave. David, where was the man? Was able to walk down on the battlefield with a confidence, knowing that he didn't have to fight the battle because the battle belonged to the Lord. David, where's that man? Where's that mighty man of God? David, you forgot? David, have you? You think you have to trust in you now, David? And what she reminds David is what you have to begin to understand about anger and about taking matters in your own hands. The ultimate question is not, what did they do to you? The ultimate question you have to address is, can I trust God will take care of me? Can I trust God will take care of me? D- David, David, you're forgetting you think you have to take care of you David and because you think you have to take care of you David you're getting mad and you're getting angry and you're getting full of rage and you're getting full of stress because David you think you got to take care of you The reason you get angry, the reason I get, I won't say you, I'll be me. The reason I get stressed, the reason I start getting so frustrated is because I feel the weight of it all upon my shoulders. And I begin to think, well, I gotta handle it. I gotta take care of it. I gotta deal with all this. And so I'm gonna do it in my wisdom and my strength and my power. And here's the thing that God does. God looks at you and says, okay, give it a try. See where you end up. You do it your way, see where it gets you. Because I feel the weight and I go, this isn't right. I need to do something and I feel the burden there. And this is why I get stressed because in that moment I forget God will take care of me. I'm bound securely, I am bound securely in the hands of my heavenly father. And the reason I know this is because if Christ loves me enough to die for me and has the power enough to rise again for me, then what in the world could come against me? Nothing. I'm bound securely in his greatness, in his love and his compassion. You think you have to handle it, and anytime time you think you have to handle it, you're gonna get angry and full of rage and full of resentment and full of bitterness. So verse 30, she says, David, you can trust the living God because when the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord, every good thing, notice where she says, God is moving. And he's gonna lead you to every good thing he's promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel. My Lord will not have on this conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or having avenged himself. And when the Lord your God has brought my Lord success, remember your servant. David, God is moving for your good. Don't focus on what is done to you. Yes, it was bad. Yes, it was horrible. Yes, it was stupid. Yes, they're fool. They're crazy for what they did. Yes, yes. I'm not saying what they did to you was not bad. I don't have that permission. What they did was horrible. Yes, she should have never said that. Yes, he should have never said that. Yes, they should have agreed with you. Yes, if I was with you, I would agree with you. I, we can't change that. What we can change is you don't have to focus on what is done to you but what God wants to do through you. What's gonna allow you to handle it in a way that will bring goodness is when you say, I don't have to focus on what's done to me, I can focus on what God wants to do through me. This is not avoiding it. Don't don't think for some of you avoiders who didn't even raise your hand. This is not, well, I'll just miss, I would just go to a different church or I'll just shut up and I won't say anything. This is not avoiding, this is overcoming evil with good. This is saying, God, what do you want to do through me through this conflict, through this it, that will bring you glory? God, how can I handle this in a way that people will see your love and your grace and your power? And so God, I will take a stand. I'm not avoiding this, I'm dealing with it. But God, the way I'm dealing with it is I'm focusing on what you want to do through me, not what I want to do to them. Because I, I want to do some things to them, God. But I'm trusting in what you are about to do. Then incredible, David listens to Abigail. And he focused on what God can do, not what David can do. So skip down to verse 38. I love this. This is probably one of the most favorite endings in all the Bible. And about 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. Come on. That, that's good stuff, right? Like, woo! I'm not saying he's going to strike the deacon at your church or that, or that person or... Your neighbor, I'm not saying that. So, so don't get the wrong thing out of the text. Sometimes I just like it, the Bible is real. And when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Praise be to the Lord who has upheld my cause. against Nabal for treating me with contempt. Praise be to the Lord. I love how it says this. Praise be to the Lord who has upheld my cause cause and he learned something that day something powerful that we need to learn that God handled it when David stopped focusing on taking matters into his own hands and what David learned is you don't have to take matters into your own hands why you matter This is what gives you the ability to do what's right when everything within you says do what you feel. This is what gives you the ability that in the moment you you want to go off on them. In, I can't tell you how many times I've gone on social media and I've ridden out. Oh man, I. <sighs> I've written out an incredible response. I'm going to tell you and tell you what the real thing is and tell you. about. And I typed it all up and I feel good about it. And then I let my wife read and she's says, mm, I wouldn't send that. Why? It's true. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But it's going to hurt what God wants to do through you. Yeah, you can say it. And there's so many times, I'm telling you, I'm getting up to preach and somebody stops me, hey, um, can I tell you what someone just said about you and just did? You know, and you wanna get up there and I'm gonna skip the sermon that I was preparing to preach today (laughs) and speak to one person. And you you feel it and you're going, yeah, feel it off, feel it, ah! But here's what will stop that, here's what will stop that. You don't have to take matters into your own hand. Why? Because you matter to the living God. What would change? Come on, what would change if you really believed this? not just affirmed it, but believed it. How would it change your relationships? How would it change the way you do marriage? How would it change the way you raise your kids? How would it change the way you enter into ministry? How would it change the way you deal with your professors or professors you deal with your students? How would it change? If you really believed, you don't have to take matters into your own hands. Because I, I matter to the living God. Some of you, God is going to bless tremendously, He's going to give you influence. you're going to walk into places and you're going to sit at tables and you're going to sit in rooms where you will have authority and people will say things and do things to you and you'll have all authority in that moment to say whatever you want to say and do whatever you want to do but in that moment I just want you to pause for a moment because I'm tired of seeing ministries and churches broken. I'm tired of seeing people fired over stupid things. And if you would just stop and go, I don't have to take matters into my own. because though I have authority and though I can go and I can get them back, I matter to the living God. Will you pray with me? Lord, help me learn this even more. But I know there's a lot of hurt here. I know there's a lot of brokenness here. I know there's a lot of pain here at times. So, God, I, I pray that God, in those moments when we want to take matters into our own hands, God, we would realize we matter to you. God, I know there's men and women here who they're at the end. They're, they're, they're going, It's useless. It's useless to stay in this marriage. It's useless to stay in this ministry. It's useless to stay at Southeastern. It's useless to keep going. I'm mad. I'm done. I'm over it. It's the end. I'm, ah. Oh, Oh, God, would you speak a word to them begin to realize, God, would they begin to see that they don't have to take matters in their own hands because they matter to you. God, let them begin to see that. Open their eyes, open their eyes, God, open their eyes. For Lord, this is how everyone will know we are your disciples. Don't let us miss this, God. Don't let us miss it. May we start a change here because we realize that we know how to deal with it without losing it. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your holy and precious name we pray and God's people said, amen.
0: Thank you again for listening to this chapel message from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you are thinking about theological education on the undergraduate or graduate level, including doctoral studies, we hope that you consider us.